But uh, with no further ado, you guys ready for the word this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for faithfulness. And Lord, we are so blessed to be able to come together as a congregation to study your word. Father, without fear of persecution or any kind of harm coming to us, we're so blessed and we thank you for that, Father. This morning, I pray that we would just be ready to receive what you would have for us, Father. But not just ready, Lord, but we would be here with expectation that you would move and minister to us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Like I said, I've entitled the message today, Give Thanks. How many of you guys know that you're blessed? You are a blessed people. But we live in a world right now seems to be unsatisfied with everything. Have you noticed that in the culture today? Nobody's satisfied. Our culture has actually gone a little crazy with it. Because the thing is, is, I've noticed is that so many people today are screaming from the top of the lungs how they're mishandled or misused or mistreated in every way. There's so many claims right now uh, from people that they're victims of some awful atrocity. Even though the truth of the matter is, we have better today than every generation that's before us. We are an incredibly blessed people. And when I say that, I don't even just mean Christians. I just mean in America, we are blessed. You know, Michelle and I, we went on vacation a couple weeks ago, and we went up to Gila Springs. Um, in New Mexico, and we camped up there, and they have some quiff, 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 quiff dwellings up there. They have some cliff dwellings up there. Hallelujah! Are you guys, are you guys laughing at the pastor? I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's okay. Hallelujah! So we visited some cliff dwellings up there, and, and have you guys ever seen cliff dwellings? There's actually some in Arizona. A lot of it's cutting out a lot. I don't hear it out here. Um, let me check. Uh, this one should be solid. Battery's good. I just tighten that up. We'll see if that helps. Hallelujah. Praise God. Quiff dwellings. So, but there's actually a lot of ruins, and, and there's cliff dwellings here in Arizona. There's a lot of ruins in Arizona. Matter of fact, even close to where we live, there's a lot of evidence of Native people that have lived here, you know, from anywhere from a few hundred to thousands of years ago. And every time I look at these societies, these people live here, it just absolutely blows my mind. It's still doing it. All right, we're going to check. Check, check. Testing. Let's, I think I, all right, give me the yellow microphone. We'll switch to the.
hilarious. Hallelujah. Right, hopefully this will be okay. I'm not used to preaching with a, a handheld mic, so we'll see how it goes. It's going to change everything because now I can't hold my tablet in my hand. Now i got to use it. Hallelujah. I know. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess. So uh, <laughs> when we edit the videos for, for our uh, uh, little one-minute clips, um, when, when Pastor Joseph preaches, he uses this. So it's really easy for us to edit it because the camera just, we don't have to do anything. I like to wander. So it's just a lot more work to edit me than it is him. So I said, well, maybe I'll try with this today and stay put. And then I decided not to, but somebody decided that I would. So hallelujah. Praise God. Quit distracting me, you guys. We got some stuff to get through. Hallelujah. So anyway, when I think about these, these people that used to live here, particularly in Arizona, it always blows my mind that they used to live here because they didn't have electricity. They didn't have grocery stores. They didn't even have modern building techniques, right? I mean, most depictions of the native people that lived here, they didn't even wear shoes. And I walk in the desert fully clothed and I'm getting tore up by trees and cactuses and, and they, they went barefoot and, and have you guys ever had uh the the goat head burrs in your yard before I would rather go running head first and do like a slip and slide style slide into a floor covered with legos than I would step on goat head burrs they are the worst and they didn't have shoes, and these things, these things are out here. I mean, the, what they persevered through, what they endured to survive, blows my mind. And we're upset about the silliest things in our society. We objectively have it exponentially better than the people that lived here even 100 years ago. Yet so many are so ungrateful. We ignore how much we have in order to complain over the slightest inconvenience. And most of these inconveniences, they're not even legitimate. I mean, we're, we're such a blessed society. We have to make stuff up to be upset about because everything else is so good. And I don't even have to get into the particulars. All of you guys can think about what's happening around. You know what I'm talking about. But the truth is, that we may not be able to speak for the rest of the world, but as Christians, it shouldn't be so for us. We should recognize how many gifts and blessings that we have. We should recognize how good we have it. Even more than that, we should recognize the eternal and spiritual blessings that we've been given by God as well. Amen. How many of you know that the, the physical blessings of God are pretty awesome? But they fail in comparison to the eternal blessing, the eternal security that we've been given in him. We are a blessed people. And instead of complaining, we should be giving thanks. Amen. So eight minutes in, let's get started. Oh my goodness. All right, you're just going to have to you're just going to have to 
do it for me. We're having a we're having a a, a, a technical issue day today. Hallelujah. Huh? There is a battery in it. It might need replaced. So I don't know. Hallelujah. All right. Ephesians five fifteen through twenty one says, "Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days." Are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Next slide, please. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, I want to give you some background with what's going on in the scripture. So if we go back in Ephesians all the way back to chapter four, is it working now? Wasn't it working earlier? And we're clicked in the program. Yeah, we'll we'll get through. We'll we'll have him slide, but it's it's okay. I still got my pointer. Hallelujah. So if we look at the book of Ephesians and we go back, um, all the way back to to chapter four, you're going to start seeing Paul um, admonishing admonishing us not to live like the Gentiles, not to live. Uh, who, these Gentiles who are living in the futility of their minds, this is what the scripture says, and they're living as aliens to God. But instead, we should be putting off our old manner of self and instead walking in the newness of the spirit of our minds, putting on the new self, which is ours in Christ Jesus. So that's the that's how we're getting to this scripture all the way back in, in chapter four. And as we as we make our way through chapter four and into chapter five, we end up here in verse 15. Now, what I really want to focus on today is is really chapter twenty, or verse twenty, because that's where he says, "Giving thanks always and for everything." But I always think it's important too that we we take a look at what's going on around a verse when we start talking about a verse, because it, it's important to see what's around it. So, can you go back to the slide before this? We're dealing with instructions on how Christians should be living their life after they've been saved. And the first instruction that we get is look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We're supposed to be walking in wisdom. How many know that's a good idea? You need to be walking in wisdom. And it says that we do that, making the best use of our time, because the days are evil. And then the next thing that we see is this word, therefore. That's kind of like that word, but. You know, you want to have your butt in the right place. In this case, therefore, and this therefore is actually connecting 16, or sorry, it's connecting uh, verse 17 up to 15 and 16. They realize that the reason why we have this therefore, this connecting word, is because it's pointing to the verses before it. So what Paul is saying is, therefore, the rest of what I'm going to talk about, you want to do this so that you are walking as wise, not unwise, right? So we're doing this so that what Paul is talking about is showing how we can walk in wisdom. The days are evil. You need to walk as wise instead of unwise. Therefore, this is how you do it. And he says, first, don't be a fool. 
I mean, that's good advice. Don't be a fool. But instead, we're to understand what the word of the Lord is. Anybody want to know how to, be, how to not be a fool? Know what the will of the Lord is. And there's actually a lot we can go into here. This is, I don't want to spend too much time on this. But really, what I think the, the bullet points is that if you refuse to learn what the will of God is, then you're foolish. You can't do what you don't know. How are you supposed to do the will of God if you don't know what the will of God is? If you don't know what the will of God is, at best, and this still isn't very good, you're going to just live out your own will. But at worst, you're going to live out the will of everything else that's trying to influence you right now. The truth is, is there's a lot of ungodly ideas and attitudes that are flying through our culture right now and being propagated by many people who would influence how you live your life. They want you to live according to their will, not according to the will of God. So you need to to get a hold of the will of God if you want to not look foolish, if you want to, to live wise and not be foolish. Amen. And just as the way you learn that is by reading the scriptures, by understanding what God's will is. So that way, when you hear something that is in contrast to God's will, you understand it and you can stand against it instead of being influenced by every other sound and wind of doctrine or every other crazy idea that's flowing through our culture right now. Instead of going, well, that sounds pretty good. I'm going to support that. You can stand with what God wants. Amen. And then after that, we continue on to verse 20, which is on the next slide here. And it says, uh, we're giving thanks always and for everything. If we're going to be walking in wisdom, we need to be giving thanks always and for everything. If you've ever wondered what you should be giving thanks for and how often, this is your answer. You should be giving thanks always and for everything. There is nothing going on in your life that is so bad that it nullifies what God is doing in your life. That it nullifies the grace of God, that it nullifies the gifts and blessing of God. You might be going through some awful stuff, but none of that nullifies the fact that you've been given a right to be called a child of God if you're born again. Don't forget to give thanks for these things always, even in the midst of terrible times. And don't forget to do it continually. So what are these things that I'm talking about? What are these things that we should be giving thanks for always and continually? In Acts 27 through 35, on the next slide, we see it says, And then when he said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Paul here is thanking God for provision. He's thanking God for providing. And Jesus actually sets the example for us in multiple places, but in Matthew 15, 35 through 37, it says, And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took seven loaves and the fishes, and giving, having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. 
So now we have Paul doing it, giving thanks for their food. We have Jesus do it, giving thanks for their food. And, and I don't think we're just supposed to give God thanks for our food. I think it's for all provision in our life, everything that we've been getting and that we've been given that we have. And the truth is, is that we have so much. Every single one of us has so much. We have food. How many of you guys are going without food? How many of you guys are going without clothing? How many of you guys are going without shelter? The truth is, is that those are the three main things you need to survive. Food, clothing, and shelter. But the truth is we all have much more than that. We all have electricity. We all have phones. We all have transportation. We have friends and family that come along. We all, the list goes on. We have so, so much. We are so blessed. As Americans, we're probably the most blessed nation on the planet, regardless of what others are trying to make you think about America right now. There is a reason that so many people want to migrate here. They're not trying to migrate here because it's terrible. And they're willing to risk their lives, risk imprisonment, risk everything to come here because we are a blessed people, amen? We have an abundance, both in provision, but also an opportunity here in the United States that, that so many other places don't have. And the truth is, even the poorest among us are richer than some of the richest people in other countries. The poorest among us are so incredibly blessed, especially when you compare it to other parts of the world. Amen? I think we should also be giving God thanks for strength. 1 Timothy 1.12 is the next slide. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Church, we should be thanking God for strength every single day. I take a look at my life and I realize that I could do nothing of this on my own. I have both the fortunate and unfortunate experience of really understanding how true this is. I say fortunate because it's a good lesson. Unfortunate because I had to go through it. I once thought that my success in life was all my own doing. I thought the gifts and talents and abilities that I had was something that I had cultivated, that I somehow was gifted and I did it all on my own. And uh, But once in my life, God took a step back. And he let me really experience life on my own. Now, to be clear, God didn't abandon me. He just stepped back and took the place that I had relegated him to. I basically had told him, God, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. Don't you see my life? I'm pretty amazing. Why don't you go sit over there for a minute? Let me show you how it's done. But if I look at my life, the truth is that he endured my stubbornness and disobedience for a long, long time before he ever took a step back. But when he did, when he finally said, all right, Wayne, you think you got this? Why don't you show me how it's done? And my world collapsed. It really did. My reputation at work dissolved. Something that I, I took a lot of pride in was that I was a good worker. Ended up having to file for bankruptcy. I had many ruined relationships in my, in my life. And it turns out that Michelle um, almost left me during this time in my life. I didn't even know about it till later. I found out that later. 
my world fell apart because I thought it was me. I didn't realize how much God was still working. Even in my stupidity and disobedience, God was still there. Now I thank God every day for what he's given me. I'm financially stable. I'm no longer a a selfish jerk that I used to be. I'm sure there's still room for improvement, but (laughs) much better than who I used to be. And I believe without hesitation or reservation that I have the strongest marriage of anybody that I know. But now I understand that all that was given to me by God. It wasn't anything that I did on my own. In other words, I realize that I am blessed rather than thinking so highly of myself. I give credit where credit is due now. It's God who gives me strength. It's God who's given me giftings. It's God who's given me abilities. And it's, it's keeping my focus on him that's allowed my relationships to strengthen more than they ever have before. And the truth is that I am stronger now than I have ever been. But I thank God every day because it's the strength that he has given me. It's not my own. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, which is the next slide, we, I think we should also be thankful for victory in our life. Give God thanks for victory. Now, this is, this is a tough one, if I'm being honest. Because um, even though I've had victories throughout the years, there are still areas that I struggle with. Now, I know that's probably not a problem you guys deal with. But for me, sometimes I struggle in certain areas of my life. And I don't feel like I'm victorious. Anybody ever not feel victorious in certain areas of your life? Here's the thing, though. The scripture doesn't say you're victorious because you've done something amazing. The scripture says you're victorious because God says you are. So as long as you'll get back up, you won't stay down. And just keep giving God thanks for the victory. Pastor Wayne, I just fell again. Well, get back up and give God thanks for victory and keep moving forward. Victory is not ours because of what we've accomplished, but because of what he has accomplished, no matter how many times that you have to get back up. And I think that's the key to this one is that we get back up and we continually thank him for the victory that he has given us because it comes from him. Amen. Another one that I think it's really important that we give thanks for is being qualified. In Colossians 1, 9 through 14, which is the next slide, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Next slide. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Verse 12 here says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. You see, no matter who you are, no matter who you've been, no matter what you've done, 
If you are in Christ, you've been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. We got one amen over there. How many know that's a good thing? You all should have been saying amen. That's a pretty amazing thing. Because not a single person in this room, myself included, are worthy. But he is qualified. As qualified in this context means having the qualities, accomplishments, etc. required by law or custom Forgetting, having, or exercising a right, holding an office, or the like. That's what it means by qualified. It means you have the qualities, the accomplishments that are required by law for for standing in this specific specific position. And this position is that we, we have a standing or qualified to inherit the inheritance of the saints. And it's, it's pretty amazing because we didn't do anything to deserve it, to earn it. Even if you don't feel like it, if you're in Christ, you are qualified. Even if someone else or the devil or even your own self tells you that you're not qualified, they're wrong because the Bible says you are qualified. This is because you didn't do anything to get that way. Jesus did it all. He did it by delivering us from the domain of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. It was what God accomplished through Jesus Christ that qualifies us for the inheritance of the saints. You are now in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You are now redeemed and have all of your sins forgiven. This is a reason to rejoice and a reason to be thankful. No matter what your life looks like, no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult things are, You know, when I say that we're a blessed people, I truly believe that. But it doesn't mean we don't struggle through things. It doesn't mean we don't have difficult times. But even in the midst of those things, we have reason to rejoice and reason to give thanks. Amen. Colossians 3, 15 through 17 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, to the Father, through him. In this short passage, 15, 16, 17, three verses, we see several things to be thankful for. One is for the peace of Christ, right? And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called to one body, and be thankful. That's one of the things we should be thankful for, the peace of Christ. This is similar to being qualified. This is something you have, but you didn't earn or deserve. But it was given to you because of his work on the cross. You can have peace because everything is taken care of. Your salvation is secure in him, and that should give you peace. Be thankful for that. And then we should be thankful for the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How many know that the word of Christ dwelling in you changes how you interact with one another? Or it should If the word of Christ is dwelling in you, it should impact how you live your life and how you dwell with one another. 
It says that we should teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Like I said, it changes how you interact with one another. Instead of criticizing and ostracizing one another, we teach and admonish. Instead of belittling or beating down one another, we lift up and encourage. Be thankful for that word of Christ that is in your hearts. And then finally, we should be thankful for what we say or do in Jesus' name. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for the Father through him. Church, we walk in his authority and in his strength. We are ambassadors for Christ. What we do or say when we do it in his name, that's what we're operating as, an ambassador for Christ in his strength and authority. Church, be thankful for that. Amen. Three times in this short passage, we're called to be thankful. I suppose that means it's important that we do so. Amen. For who he is, for what he's doing in us and through us. Amen. Ephesians 1.16 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. We should be thankful for the other believers in our lives as well. This is demonstrated many times in the New Testament writings. Just a couple more here. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Colossians 1.3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Church, the truth is that we're a family. We should be praying for one another. We should be thanking God for one another. I can tell you this right now. I am so grateful for each and every one of you in this room this morning. I am so blessed to have you in my life. I am privileged that you call me pastor and that you let me speak into your life. And I think we should be equally thankful for each of the people you see here. Look around you in this room today and thank God for the people that God has put alongside of you. And I get it. There are some people that are hard to be thankful for. Not in this church, probably in other churches. Not in this church. But here's the deal. If you find that difficult, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. And this is a piece of advice that Paul gave. See, I'm not very clever. I'm just good at, 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 at looking what the Bible says and doing it. But this is what Paul said to the Corinthian church. And if you know about the Corinthian church, which you should, because we've spent a considerable time going through those books of the Bible. <laughs> They were a rough bunch. How many of the Corinthian church was a rough bunch? They had some issues. But this is what he said in 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. Now remember, this is a bunch of rowdy, unruly, messed up people. Just got saved, but still doing some crazy stuff. He says this in 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you have trouble being thankful for somebody stop looking at them through your eyes start looking through them through god's eyes at them and resolve to know nothing about them but christ crucified but pastor wayne they're they're just they're awful people they're unloving no that's not what the scripture says in christ they're loving in christ they're pure in christ they're perfect in christ they're holy start seeing people how god sees them when they're in christ and maybe that'll help change your perspective amen We continue on in first Thessalonians five eighteen. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
for you. Remember we talked about knowing what the will of God is? Here it shows up again, and giving thanks is part of that. The truth is, is that we should be giving thanks no matter what. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, to be clear, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, right? There's some stuff that happens in your life that I don't believe is God's will. We live in a fallen world with a bunch of fallen people doing fallen things, and none of that was God's will. But sometimes it impacts us, amen? So I don't think all these things are God's will and that we should thank God for them. You know, you should really never, thank you, Father, for giving me cancer. That's just stupid. Right? That, that's, that's something of the enemy. You don't thank God for that. But you know what? If you have cancer, you can thank God in the midst of that. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. Because you know what? You serve a God bigger than the cancer. You serve a God that, that even if, 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 if uh, you don't get healed and you end up passing away from cancer, this was just such a short sliver of your life, it doesn't even matter because even though the, the, your, your earthly body fell, you've been made brand new. One day it's going to be resurrected anyway. You won't have to deal with that cancer anymore. We have eternal security and peace in Christ so we can give thanks in all circumstances, even if the circumstances ain't great. Amen. There's a difference between giving thanks for and giving thanks in. In Philippians 4, 4 through 6, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Even when you need something, you should be thankful. It even says to rejoice in the Lord always. Once again, don't rejoice for your lack. Rejoice in spite of your lack. But rejoice in the Lord. And the truth is our joy should come from the Lord. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Joy is in spite of our circumstances. Happiness comes in your circumstances, but joy comes in spite of them because joy comes from the Lord. There's joy in knowing that you are free, that you are loved by God, that you have been made brand new. But God doesn't say, you know what? You have enough. Just be thankful. Just deal with what you have. Just be thankful. No, he says, he says, look, don't be anxious when you lack anything. Just come to God, pray and ask God for it but we're to do it in thankfulness. And I think this is a, 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 something that Christians get messed up sometimes, I think, because we begin to pray differently than we should. Here's what it looks like when we're not praying in thankfulness. We say, God, please, 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 please let me get this new car. God, please, please, please let me, let me get this new job. God, please, please, please insert whatever you think you need. But here's what it should look like when you're asking with thankfulness. Thank you, Father, for providing me with that new car. Thank you for providing me with transportation. Thank you, Father, for providing me a new job. And we do it with thankfulness. And when you pray like this, it does two things. One, not only does it demonstrate gratitude because you're already thanking God for what you're, what you're going to be receiving, but it also demonstrates faith because you're asking with an expectation. 
it's not a God, please do this. I hope, 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 and not, not, not Christian hope, worldly hope. You know, I, I hope, hope, hope you give me this. Instead, you just thank him that you already have it, believing that when he hears you, we believe that he does hear us, and when he hears us, he answers our prayers. Amen? And we do it with thankfulness. But as we talk about this, I do want to give you a couple warnings regarding thankfulness. Basically, how to identify if you're doing it a little bit backwards. Romans one twenty one through 23 says this, For all they knew God, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God gives or God, I'm going to start over. Man, I messed that up. For all the new God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. So like I said, a couple warnings. The first warning is, is that If you're not honoring God and thanking God, you could at some point find yourself in a pretty dark place. You see, here he's speaking of those who chose not to honor God and give thanks to God. That's what it says. They knew God. They did not honor him or give thanks to him. And because of that, but they became futile in their thinking. You see, unfortunately, they they ignored everything that testifies of God, and they begin to speculate. They begin to look around and try to figure out where all this stuff was coming from. And and in those days, they attributed everything to God, right? Rain, war, food. I mean, there was a God of everything. And the more they looked elsewhere, the more their heart was darkened because they were giving other things credit when they should have been giving it to God. And as they separated themselves from God, they continued to grow worse. God didn't separate from them. They separated from God. It was choices that they made. But how did they do that? By not honoring him or giving him thanks. They began to give other stuff credit to what should have been rightfully, the credit rightfully given to God. And today, we are full of people claiming to be wise, but they're actually fools. And anyone that turns their back on God is acting foolish. Amen. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said this, The danger when men stop believing in God is not that they will believe in nothing, but that they'll believe in anything. We don't want to find ourselves following down this path because we stopped giving thanks to God. Amen. And here's another warning. Luke 18, 10 through 14. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, you don't want to find yourself in the form of this first man. If you go back and look at at chapter, uh, verse 11, it says, The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like this other man. 
They're like, well, Pastor Wayne, you just told me he should be giving thanks when he prays. Isn't that okay? Except for he's not actually giving thanks. What this is is just false humility. It's pride. He was essentially building himself up. You don't realize that he's talking to God, but actually taking credit for the things in his life. We don't want to find ourselves with this false humidity, this false thankfulness when we're actually building ourselves up rather than giving a true uh, credit to God instead of really thanking him. And there is a difference. Another way this false praying and thanks can, can stick it to you is when uh, uh, you ever, ever seen somebody praying for somebody, but they're not really praying for them. They're just using that as an opportunity to rebuke them or stick it to them. Let me give you an example. You have a, a wife and a husband praying together. Maybe they've, they've been butting heads a little bit lately, and they, you hear a pray some, prayer something like this. Thank you, Lord, for, for easing my wife's temper. Or thank you, Lord, for making my, 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 my husband a better man. They're not, they're not actually thanking God for anything. They're just using their prayer as a way to just jab in their... You know, you need to be careful when you're doing that as well. You see, there's a difference between genuinely praying for somebody. How many know those might even be legitimate prayers? But your intent is different, right? If, if that's really a problem that you have, you probably shouldn't pray with your husband as you're poking him and trying to beat him down. Same, husbands with your wife or your children or whoever it is. There's a difference in the attitude and intent behind it. So be careful when you pray that you're not doing it because Pastor Wayne said so and it's some sort of spiritual checklist. When we say that you need to give thanks, it's because you need to genuinely be thankful. Amen? And then we'll finish here. First Chronicles 16.34. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I wonder if it says God's love endures forever instead of just something like God's love lasts forever because we can be so difficult. I think sometimes we, God has to endure us because we're ungrateful, unthankful, disobedient, but the good news is, is his love endures no matter what. We have every reason to be thankful, church. We are a blessed people who serve an awesome God. He is good, and his amazing love for us never runs out. It can never be pushed away. It can never be stolen from us, and it just goes on forever. Church, let's be a people who, one, recognize that and make sure that we're giving thanks for it continually. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our head.